For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. This is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. Good morning and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay, and every Saturday morning here on NCNZ between 7 and 8, we're going to talk all things Canterbury sport. And there is so much sport going on at the moment. It's actually hard to keep up with it all, to be honest. But that's why we're here at Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, to give you all the news and all the updates you need. It's been a massive week. Still more to come over this weekend. The Commonwealth Games have finished up. They have wrapped up. It's a mixture of... I was sad. I feel like I've almost lost a member of the family the amount of time I was spending watching the Commonwealth Games, but great for the hours of sleep that I've been able to rack up since. Team New Zealand finished up with an outstanding 49 medals, 20 of them gold as well. We're lucky enough to have one of these gold medalists joining us in a couple of minutes' time. The Black Caps, well, they've gone from playing in Europe. They're all the way over now in Jamaica. They've already had a game in the series. They picked up the first win against the West Indies. They're currently playing the second T20 at the moment. You can keep up to date with all of that uh, live on SENZ. The All Blacks, of course, they play again. They've, they're at Alice Park tomorrow morning, 3.05 a.m. A huge game for them, and with all the criticism heading their way, a huge game for their coaching staff as well. It's not only sport overseas. There's a heap going on locally. Uh, tomorrow, a big game, big big day of of rugby league. There's four games going on. Club finals day today. Orange Theory. There's a Canterbury Rugby double header. There's been plenty of NPC going on. There's FPC going on. Just after 7:30 a.m., we'll have a chat with Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup assistant coach Tony Christie. We'll get the inside word from the camp about how they're trucking. So far, so good for that Canterbury women's side. They are three from three uh, in their series so far. We're also going to talk a little bit of that club finals rugby league. We've got Canterbury Rugby CEO Malcolm Hum coming along from 7.15ish. And it's just going to be a bumper show. We've got plenty coming up. But I guess we're going to start off with the big interview first. We're going to finish off with the the panel, the Malray Electric panel with Brian Ashby, Gordon Finlater joining in. You'll also have time to hear from me with Frankie's Five. Last week, it was things you had to watch, things you had to see over the weekend. This, it's going to be my five top Commonwealth Games moments. Obviously really hard to nail that down to to just five, so I might take a little bit of artistic licence with those. But on the story of Com Games, there is my first guess is is definitely someone who who is very deserving of being in that top five. A New Zealand record holder, uh, an Olympian, an owner of a World Indoor Championship bronze medal as well, and now a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. It is, of course, high jump extraordinaire Hamish Kerr, who who has had a wonderful time as of late, a bumper 18 months, still over in the UK, I believe, and and now time to have uh, a little bit of a chat with Hamish. Uh, Hopefully he is on the line now. Hamish, thank you so much for, for joining us here this morning. Morning, Frankie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yourself? 
yeah, really great. Like you said, I'm yeah. in the UK waiting for the rest of the season to kind of kick off, I suppose. Yeah, how good. Now, it's it's probably pretty fair to say you've had a pretty big, if not a huge 12 to 18 months. Has it has it felt like that for you, a bit of a, a, bit of a whirlwind, or is this actually just, just everything going to plan? I think I think it's starting to catch up for me. Um, I was in the gym this morning, still training along, and um, I sort of stopped and kind of thought. I was like, you know, I actually have achieved quite a lot in the last few months. Um, like you said, I mean, I I made an Olympics and I ended up making the final at the Olympics, and then went to Belgrade earlier in the year and got my first major medal at World Indoors and Narma Games champion. And I I'm finishing off the end of the Diamond League season over here in Europe, and yeah, it's it's. It's definitely a weird old world. Um, I think that, you know, for a for a kid who just loved sport and 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 loved high jump and, and just enjoyed turning up to training, and now I'm sort of doing the things that I get to do. It's it's you know it's an amazing experience and something I'm just, I'm just hugely grateful for. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's for sure. Now, tell me a bit about the the Birmingham Commonwealth Games experience. Where does that stack up compared to some of those? those other competitions how was your build up leading up to it and, and did you actually feel pretty confident heading in that, that you could end up with a medal um my build up was shaky uh to say the least i think uh there was a lot of stuff this year which didn't quite go my way um i obviously had a great start to the season with my um my world, world indoor bronze um and then i promptly got covid which was which was pretty much the same as everyone else in the world, I suppose. But yeah, for me, it took about six weeks to get back into full training. Um, and by that that time, I was pretty much already back in Europe trying to trying to compete. Um, and yeah, I sort of chased my tail a little bit in terms of my performances. I, I kind of didn't really have much of a physical base. So I was really just relying on my technical ability and, and my fact that you know, I'd be able to feed off the crowd and, and just try and enjoy the moment as much as possible. So, yeah, definitely some shaky um, shaky nerves going into Com Games. Um, but, yeah, I was able to trust my, my technique enough and, and just trust sort of the work we had been doing in the, in the little lead-up that, that it was going to be a good time. Um, and I think I did know deep down that I was, that I was definitely up for a medal. Um, I would have been pretty gutted if I'd come away with nothing. Um, but at the same time, winning that gold and, and kind of when that happened, sort of realizing how much it did mean to me, it, it definitely stacks up. And, you know, it's, it's the best comp I've ever done. I, I didn't jump the highest I've ever jumped, but in terms of the satisfaction and just the whole emotional um, connection with, you know, hearing the national anthem when you're up on the stage and, and doing a victory lap to, to 40,000 people in a packed Birmingham stadium, it was just something I was, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. And so you win gold. What are you feeling? What's going on in your head when you're you're standing up on the dice, getting to to hear your national anthem? Um, not a lot, to be honest. I think um, I think at that that point I was still very much in shock. Um, I I pretty much finished the competition, um, did my victory lap. I did about half an hour of media, and then they pulled me away and were like, you know, you've got to go and get your medal now because they did the medal ceremony straight away. Um, so I was sort of just this massive whirlwind of like, you know, one thing to the next to the next. And yeah, when I was up there, just like I thought I was going to be really emotional, but I think to be honest, I was probably more emotional when I, when I was actually in the competition and realized that I'd won. Um, I still had one more jump to go, even though um, I had won the gold medal, I still had one more attempt at 228 to, to go at. And, and yeah, I was blinking back tears and, and pretty much just had this massive grin on my face the whole, the whole run up and night, which I, I missed the jump and I, <laughs> 
and I, I really didn't care but I think that was probably the the time which was which was the most emotional for me and look you you come across as a pretty relaxed character especially when you're you're competing you mentioned do you get nervous and and how do you keep those nerves at bay or, or even something just just keep yourself in the right headspace because at times there's some pretty big gaps between jumps and the high jump isn't there oh massive I mean I think that's always been my thing is I I do get very nervous. Um, I think leading into con games, the for probably the four days beforehand, I, I was lucky to get five hours sleep each night. Um, and a lot of that, that nerves get sort of balled up before the competition. Um, but I really just see it as, you know, for me, I've earned that nerves. I've earned the, the right to be in that stadium. Um, we've put in all the great work and, yeah, the anticipation kills me, but once I'm in the moment and I'm actually in that stadium, like I just love it. It's just such an amazing experience. And and like you said, there are massive gaps between jumps, but once I've started jumping, once I make that first attempt, um, and I kind of know where my body's at, I I'm usually pretty happy and I just let it let it take over. And and you're a self confessed massive athletics fan as well. Do you ever get a little bit starstruck by some of, of the global superstars who are there competing at the Com Games or Olympics and you're lining up alongside them or, or you see some of the other other athletes who are, who are warming up about to do their events? Is, is there ever a bit of, yeah, you, you ever get a little bit starstruck or have to pinch yourself with the, the company you're keeping? Every single comp. Um, yeah, I think I think that's one of the great things about it. You know, well, it's the great thing about high jump is, is we're out on the track for a very long time. Um, some of our competitions can take up to three hours and so and and within that time I might do eight jumps so there there is a lot of sitting around and and honestly like I'm obviously focused on my performance but a lot of the time I'm just watching all the rest of the athletics just like everyone else is so you know each lap that the, the distance races come around I'm sort of cheering for the Kiwis and and the other people that I know quite well in the circuit and and yeah when the sprints come along that's great and unfortunately I, I can't usually watch the other field events because they're happening at different parts of the stadium but yeah, no, massive fan. Um, every time, you know, in the meet hotels and, and, and traveling around, it's just such a privilege to be able to, you know, go toe-to-toe with those guys. And, and it's something that I, yeah, I just love it. And you're from originally Auckland, and we won't hold that against you here at the Canterbury Sports <laughs> Corner. You've seen the light. You've moved to Christchurch. You're working with Terry Lomax. What what inspired that move? I'm a Kiwi, Frankie. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Um, Don't worry, we were all I cheering think, you on. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think everyone's trying to claim me. No, they're probably not. But um, yeah, I I moved down to Christchurch to train with Terry. That was the main reason to come down. Um, I met Terry in about 2017 when I was actually in Palmerston North. I was at uni there, um, and I went on the World Uni Games, which is which is sort of like a, a development level competition that that uh, occurs every couple of years. And yeah, I went overseas with Terry. Um, I knew a little bit about him. Obviously, athletics is a pretty small, small sport, but I'd never worked with him personally. And at that stage, I knew that I had a lot of potential, but no one had ever really been able to tell me straight how I could actually use that potential. Um, and that's something that Terry could do. He he sat me down and, and he was really honest. Um, he said, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got a great set of skills and, and, and you've got some some cool, you know, traits around you, but at the same time, you're very raw and there's some things that we could definitely change about about the way you operate. And that, that was something I really needed to hear because, I, like I said, I hadn't heard that from anyone else in New Zealand. So, yeah, I pretty much sat on it for a few months. And then at the end of the uni year, um, I was finishing up in Palmy. So I just thought, well, 
you know, I've got my degree now. I might as well go down and actually commit to this for a few years. And four years later, I'm I'm still down there and, and loving it. And I've kind of, you know, done a few things around the athletics track. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it seems to have worked out well, that's for sure. Now, you mentioned earlier in the show, you're still over in the UK. You've got the end of the Diamond League season coming up. But but where to now? What's what's next in the plans for Hamish Kerr? Um, yeah, so it's Diamond League at the moment. I just competed in Monaco two days ago. And then I've got a competition in Switzerland in two weeks' time. And then the Diamond League final, which is again in Switzerland, just start of September. And then, yeah, back to New Zealand, I'm going to take a good long time off, probably take six to eight weeks off and, and, and just hang out with my girlfriend and, and my my family and my friends and just kind of celebrate them for a little bit because I feel like it's, you know, it's a very selfish world we live in as athletes and I really enjoy the time I take away to sort of give back to my family and, and do a few things for them once in a while. So that'll be it. And then I'll, I'll just be cracking on to the build up for next year because I think the scary thing is, is, you know, we're talking, we're talking the Olympics like it happened 12 months ago, which it did, but at the same time, the next one's only two years away, so I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, of course. And I'm hearing a lot about this proposed golf game between you and <laughs> fellow Cantab, fellow gold medalist as well, Tom Walsh. This keeps cropping up. Is it something that you spend a bit of time doing out on the golf course? And, and who is likely to take the spoils in this game? I got into golf like the rest of the world did uh, after lockdown in 2020. So... My golf game is very new. Um, it's developing quickly, but uh, I would still call myself a hack. Um, I love <laughs> I love the game, but I'm not very good at it. Uh, Tom, on the other hand, is is a very serious competitor, and he also loves golf, but is quite a lot better than me. So, yeah, the the next couple of weeks we're actually basing in Scotland, and we're playing about five or six different courses um, just around the place, including uh, St Andrews, which would be super cool. We're heading there tomorrow. So, yeah, there's going to be definitely some um, some bucketless moments over the next few weeks. And, and it's something that I, I personally feel golf's really helped my athletics. Um, there's, there's, there's no feeling like lining up a, a third attempt at a high jump bar, just the same as, as lining up a, you know, a shot into the green from, from 100 metres when you've just duffed something from the rough. So, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And lastly, Where's the gold medal currently, and and where do you think you might keep it? Good question. It's in my carry-on luggage, which um, is, stays very, very close to my being at all time. Um, and, yeah, in terms of where I'm going to keep it, I think I think it will be roving around. Um, I speak at quite a few schools, and it's definitely it's definitely going to be an easy prop to take along so that they don't have to listen to me droning on for a few minutes. They can, uh, they can just pass around the medal and just have a look at it instead. Oh, that sounds pretty cool to me. Hamish, thanks so much for your time here on Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. It's been awesome to chat. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for those performances in the Diamond League. Best of luck from us as well and, and really look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks, Apes. That was Commonwealth Games high jump gold medalist Hamish Kurt. What an absolute legend he is. Time for us to take a quick break here and then we'll we will be back to talk all things Canterbury Rugby League. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Your home for all sport from Christchurch and beyond. You're listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ.
7.27am here with Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Thanks for sticking with us. A few technical difficulties, but thankfully, producer Jacob, he's on the job. He's got it sorted. We're back with you. It's a massive day for Rugby League in Christchurch with Club Finals Day happening tomorrow. The Hornby Panthers men are trying to go back-to-back, but will come up against a strong Linwood Kia's side, who they will meet in the grand final for the sixth time in seven seasons. Meanwhile, in the women's final, the Sydney Swans are gearing up for a three-peat, but they're going to have to get past the table-topping Linwood Cares first. To give us the rundown, we're joined by Canterbury Rugby CEO Malcolm Harm. Good morning, Malcolm. Thanks for joining. How are you ahead of a massive day of rugby league tomorrow? Oh, excited, Frankie. Um, the weather gods look like they're, they're going to look after us. We've got a really uh, a really nice hard trek out there. So, yeah, really excited um, for the big day. And, and you haven't been in the role for too long now. How are you enjoying it? And, and what have been the big focused area, focus areas this season? Yeah, Frank, you've been in the role uh, around 10 weeks now, um, and it's really been uh, more observational, um, just seeing where, where the game's at in terms of grounds, facilities, our coaching, refereeing, and just really looking at what we're, what we're doing well. But areas we can improve in and, and where the opportunities exist. So it was really, I guess, really good timing of, of coming into the role. And I love seeing the fact that the women's final played on the same day, the same the same field as the men as well. There's some pretty big names involved in the club scene here here in Christchurch as well. How important is it for, for the women's game to, to keep growing and, and developing and, and having these quality people and, and quality facilities around the game as well? Oh, it's significant, friends. We've, um, I think, actually, the women's grand final will be the match of the day. To be honest, some really good matchups there. Um, and now that we've we've got the the women's NRL, I think there's a real pathway um, for young girls and women, and in terms of where they can go in the game, um, we've seen a significant increase um, over the last two years with our game, uh, the, an increase of around about 150 females playing the game in, in meaningful competition. So um, the women's grand final is obviously the pinnacle, um, but there's there's plenty of opportunities in, in the youth grades as well. And, and who are you picking to take that title in the in the women's game? It's great to hear it talked up as being match of the day, but who do you think is going to come out on top? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a big call. Look, um as I say, there's a couple of really uh, big matchups in the halves with, with uh, Sui uh, Pararaisa, um, who's played in the women's NRL, and Shante Poko, who's who's played for Newcastle Knights. Oh, I'm just, I'm I'm leaning towards Sydney. They've got the experience. They'll get the first use of the the good ground out there at Naipurnawai, and I just think they might get um, get into the apples early. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm picking Sydney to take that one out. Yeah, well, the regular matches between these two, both nail-biters, so I'm sure we can expect more of the same. And and both teams are stacked with experience and some real game-breakers, so really could go either way, which is always exciting, always what you want on finals day. Now, how about the men's final? What's the the form of these two teams been like coming into finals day tomorrow? Yeah, quite different, Frankie. So... um Limited have led from the front all season, as probably expected. Um, so they've had a really good, a really good season. Hornby um, really just snuck in to this hot four on differential. However, um, having watched them play over the last few weeks, I think they're really timing their run. Um, and whenever Corey Lowry, um, who's played eleven grand finals, is is involved, um, 
yeah, they're looking they're looking really good. So I think that yeah, it's certainly going to be a um, an interesting and, and tough grand final. And what kind of what kind of game do you expect to see from these two teams? Where, where do you see it being won and lost? Well, with um, Hornby, they've they've got a they've got speed to burn. Um, Linwood play a power game. Hornby got speed to burn. I just think, um, and I'm probably going against the grain here. Hornby just slightly more experienced forward pack, uh, and I think you know experience plays a big part on grand final day. So, and just in terms of timing their run, having the Corey Lowry factor. Um, he's made me aware that it will be his last game. I think he'll get his boys up uh, to play for the big one, and, and I think Hormie might take this one out. Oh, that's the good inside word. Last game, last club game for Corey Laurie. He has been an absolute stalwart. Not, look, I, I probably have to lean towards uh, the Hornby Panthers as well, mainly because James Baxendale, he's in there. He was uh, a cricket lad from way back at Lancaster Park, so I think he'd be disappointed if I, I said anyone else but Hornby. Yeah, I but think he would be. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 exciting to have. And and how about the the chance for four finals to go on at at Napunawai, which is such a, a quality field as well. Does that have a big impact on the 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 competitions and the rugby league we're expecting to see? Yeah, look, I think it provides an opportunity for our players to play on such a good ground. It's, it's um, the Crosby City Council have done a, a superb job of, you know, especially the rain we've had over the July period um, to bring it up to what it is now. And it just really provides the, all these players, whether it's the Gore Cup, Canterbury Cup, uh, Women's and Men's Grand Final, all these players, and also coaches and referees, the opportunity for some exposure um, and the opportunity to play on, on top quality on top quality fields. Yeah, and it is the chance to, to put your name up in lights, I guess, as well. It's a big game for clubs, of course. There's a really good club atmosphere that goes on in rugby league. There'll be some supporters out there. I know there's been supporters' T-shirts that have been made up as well, so I'm expecting the sidelines to be packed. But it's also a big game for, for the players individually as well. Good performances here. Do you think that could have an impact on, on Canterbury Bulls' selection? That their, season, their, their season must be coming up soon. Yeah, look, um, that's a really good point, Frankie. So we'll be um, naming our Canterbury Bulls team on Monday. Um, so we'll get through the grand final, and I'm sure uh, Coach Jed Lowry has, has penciled down his team, but um, we just need to get through the grand final. And, and for those that are on the edge, and, and there might be still a spot up for grabs, um, this, is, this is certainly a, a great opportunity for some of those players. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to it. As you said, the weather looks outstanding for it. Napunawai, sure to provide the, the conditions for some good running football as well. And Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us, giving us the inside word on finals day tomorrow. I do hope it's an absolute stunner. Um, so thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Frankie. That was Canterbury Rugby League CEO Malcolm Hum. The finals tomorrow at Napunawai, 11am the Gore Cup, Canterbury Cup, 1pm, then on to the number one field. The women's final kicks off at 12.30 and the men finish the day off with the Pat Smith Trophy final. 3pm should be an excellent day out. And on the back of Rugby League chat, it is now time for Frankie's Five. It's time for Frankie's Five. 
Yeah, well, it is that time again. Frankie's Five brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. This week, my top five, it's Commonwealth Games moments from Birmingham. Number one, roll straight into it. The shot put, one, two for New Zealand. Gold, silver, Cantab, Tom Walsh taking the gold in a dominant display, defending his title. What more could you want to see? Number two, I have to go for the cyclists, led by Aaron Gate with four. Yeah, that's four gold medals. And Elise Andrews, who is just an absolute rock star on the track. She even stepped in at the last minute to allow the team pursuit to get on the track and then go on and win silver as well. So they were real standouts for me. Another standout, number three, Lewis Clairbert in the pool. Overcoming COVID, other illness, collects three medals, two of them gold. And what absolutely blew my mind is when he's at home in Wellington, he does all his training in a 25-metre pool. So absolutely outstanding from, from Lewis Clairbert there. Number four, rolling into squash. I actually think I might have to start playing. I've enjoyed the squash so much throughout the Com Games. West Coast legend Paul Cole, he picks up two golds. Joelle King fighting back after not meddling in the singles, which was a bit of a surprise. She then picked up two doubles golds as well. So squash, that was one to watch for me. And number five, this one, very, very close to my heart. The White Ferns collecting a bronze medal. They were comprehensively beaten in pool play by England. They rallied. They gave the hosts an absolute thrashing to win bronze. And this team's copped a bit of flack recently. And, and you might say eh, maybe fairly as well based on results. But it's a team going places. So watch this space. And you know what? Since it's my segment, I've actually got two honourable mentions to throw in there as well. The sportsmanship shown by Hayden Wilde in the triathlon. The fist um, clapping his mate and competitor on as, as he went on to serve his time penalty. I just think that was a really a really good demonstration of, of Kiwi sport and how we go about things. And then the two PBs, Keely O'Hagan and Sam Tanner in the athletics, the joy they both showed after their performances and Sam's quote of the happiest sixth place ever. I just think that showed exactly what the games are all about. Love to see it. I couldn't help but smile along with joy for them. So... That's it. That's Frankie's Five. It may have snuck into Frankie's Seven today, but Frankie's Five for the week brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. Now, on the back of this, it's it's time to talk a little code. This this Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevla Holmes, a proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Joining the show this morning ahead of their game this afternoon against the Waikato woman is the Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup assistant coach, Tony Christie. Tony, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us uh, ahead of what's going to be a big game for your side. Good morning. Uh, huge day ahead and really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, your side's three from three to start the season off. Uh, you must be pretty happy with, with where the side's at. Yeah, we're getting the job done. Um, I don't think we've played our best footy over the whole 80 minutes yet, but um, something to look forward to today. And we're, we're really conscious that every time we, we play a team, uh, they bring their best game because they're after the top of the table. Yeah, we know that feeling as, as Canterbury sides. They're always, always the team to beat. It has been... Uh, a little bit up and down, been contrasting wins, I think, this year. The first two wins against Wellington, Auckland, uh, the side looked like they really flew out of the blocks and, and then against Auckland had to hang on. But against Counties last weekend, com- complete reversal there. It took a massive comeback effort to get the win in the end. What what have been the work-ons for your side this week? Yeah, we didn't start too well on that one. Um, but <laughs> we're really proud of the girls at the way they they turned that one around. So we're looking to, to start strong, um, to not give them a sniff this week. Uh, big focus this week will be around the contact areas. Uh, we know with Waikato, their defence, they put a lot of pressure on us. Um, so looking around our strong carries and really nailing our breakdown.
Is that really what you what you're expecting from that that Waikato team? What, who who are their big threats as well? Yeah, the Waikato team they build a lot of their game around putting pressure back on us. Um, they've talked about through that that defence, but they've also got a couple of a stars out wide and uh, very strong loose forward trios. So uh, Renee Holmes at the back is a real threat. We're going to have to be watch her on our kick chase. Um, as well as the the other co-captain Kennedy Simon um, and those contact areas, and it is uh, a double header today at, at Orange Theory. It's club round as well. The the chance to be playing uh, the the two unbeaten teams coming together. How are the excitement levels are in the group leading up to this one? Yeah, uh, huge day. First of all, club day. We love playing um, in front of our, our fans, and also the significance of representing the special clubs that we've come from. Um, the other big reason today is around the JJ Stewart Trophy, looking to defend that. Nice, nice. And you've had a couple of new coaches come in and and join the crew, get involved with the group this year. How, how have Steph Broomhall and Sid Tawamiti uh, slotted in to, to the Canterbury side? Yeah, first of all, Steph uh, has been a huge uh, add to our group. She brings a lot of energy, uh, has amazing people skills, uh, ability to get the best out of her players, um, give some specific feedback there. And then Sid, his level of knowledge, uh, he's coached for many years of the game at multiple different levels. Um, so he's done some great work so far with our forward pack. And the, and the teams all across the whole competition, Canterbury included, all seem to be playing a, a brilliant style of attacking rugby. Is that on the back of, of some chats around how the Black Ferns are wanting to play and, and players going into camp with them, coming back to their teams and, and really pushing that style of play? Or is, or is it actually just teams recognising that's the best way to, to take the game on? That's that's how they're going to be successful? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. There. Obviously, the, the effect that Wayne Smith and the, the coaching staff um, up there and the freedom um, that they want the Black Fern girls to play. But I also think it's just the developing skill level each year. Um, the competition is getting better and better. Um, so, yeah, two factors there. Yeah, I love to watch it. I actually think it's it's my favourite rugby to watch because there's just so much time with the ball in play, so much time with ball in hand, and, and I just find it such an easy watch. You've, you've got eight players as well who have been named in the Black Ferns for the O'Reilly Cup coming up. Home World Cup obviously sits as a, as a big event for the year, a big goal for, for a lot of the players in, in your side. Is this something that, that you have to talk about, that you have to keep keep an eye on, or, or is it just something that, you know, you say, turn up, play well for Canterbury, and, and the rest just takes care of itself? Yeah, I think with the, the beauty of our girls, um, they're really professional, our Canterbury girls, so... Um, yes, they've got that, that big carrot at the end of the, the year, um, but for them to to achieve those goals, um, they need to play well for Canterbury first and foremost, um, and they're really, really proud uh, to represent the province, so we expect, and so do they, their best performance each time. Yeah, well, Tony, thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to how the, how the side goes today, and, and we really do appreciate you taking the time, especially on game day, to have a chat for us. Um, so, so best of luck for the, the afternoon, and, and hopefully we get to catch up again soon. Thank you. It should be a crack-up. Yeah, absolutely. That was Farah Palmer Cup assistant coach Tony Christie ahead of this afternoon's clash of the unbeaten teams. Canterbury taking on Waikato's game one of a double header at Orange Theory. This Canterbury rugby update brought to you by Kevla Holmes, proud help, uh, helping build the future of Canterbury rugby. Kevla Holmes, proud partner 
of Canterbury Rugby. It's almost the end of the show, folks. Time for one more quick ad break, and then it is time for the panel to wrap things up. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Your home for all sport from Christchurch and beyond. You're listening to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. On the run home now, it is time for the panel. Proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Today, I'm joined by arguably the voice of Canterbury Sport, Brian Ashby, and sports journalist Gordon Findlater. A big welcome to you both, but let's jump straight into it. Gordon, the All Blacks, what do they need to do to get the win at Alice Park, or what improvements do we need to be seeing? Well, first of all, they need to be far better under the high ball and uh, they they need to not be out-muscled. Of course, that's far easier to, to say than actually do. Uh, and, and then you factor in Alice Park. I mean, that's jeepers. Even against uh, a uh, an average South African team, and if you've got a very good All Blacks team, that is a daunting task in itself. But we're talking about quite a good South African team and an All Blacks team, which for... Jesus, the last sort of 18 months has looked out of sorts. So uh, this is, uh, I would I would say, arguably one of the biggest ever tasks that they've faced. Certainly the biggest Ian Foster has been tasked with and, uh, and on an occasion where you've got to say he's fighting for his career. Yeah, it is the, the general vibe at the moment that this could be do or die for Fozzie. Gash, you've, you have seen a lot of rugby. Can they turn it around? And really, is all the criticism they've been facing, is it actually fear? Yeah, it is. Um, this has been a slow-moving train wreck that's, that's come since his appointment. People saw this coming. Uh, the lack of development, I think, of quality type forwards, um, you know, when you're still relying, you know, your senior type forwards, um, Retallick, Whitelock, um, probably Scott Barrett, who's coming behind them? You know, and, and when you... Going into a test match at Alice Park and you're relying on guys that have still got their training wheels on to try and turn this around, Ethan De Groot um, and, and our own Fitch and Newell, they're, they're both going to be magnificent All Blacks. But when the SOS is going out for those guys in a test match of this magnitude with their level of experience, things are really grim. Um, things, things are in a bad state of affairs. And I'm not interested in too much of it other than the high ball that Gordon just mentioned. The way the back line has functioned, you can sure you can swap one or two people around. It all begins and ends up front. That's the old rugby cliche, and we just haven't had it up front. Yeah, we haven't. But Richie Moanga back in the in the driver's seat, getting his start. Is is it too much to ask for him to come in and have that that immediate impact, Gash? Uh, no, I, I think. Look, one of the interesting things, if you look, if you go back to Super Rugby. Um, and two two things. One, if you look at the match between the round robin match between the Crusaders and the Blues, people would oh, Bowden Barrett, he was magnificent. He was with the ball in hand. He had three kicks charged down in that match. Um, Richie Moonga kept the Crusaders in the match. If you look at the Crusaders, the top try scorers in Super Rugby, three of the top four were Crusaders outside backs. The Blues were the team through the round robin. Far and away, the best team in the round robin final, the Crusaders, of course, got the job done. But it's just an indication of the whole backline. A whole backline functions better than Richie Moonga. So, look, I, 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 I think he, um, I think he's got a good opportunity tonight, uh, and he is somebody who, more so than Bowden Barrett, with back football 
can operate. It's, it's not ideal for any first five. You want a platform of good go-forward ball. But Richie Moanga, I think you measure the quality of a first five when they're going backwards rather than when they're going forwards. Yeah, well said. And and moving on from from All Blacks chatter, let's go Com Games. It's been an exciting couple of weeks for that. New Zealand team obviously had a brilliant game, 49 medals. But Gordon, should we be sending more athletes? Is it fair to have some possible medal contenders perhaps, but judging them on a, they have to be a medal contender, they have to be top 10, surely our athletes are going to see some benefit just from getting over there and, and getting the experience and actually in four years' time that it's got more chance of making them a medal contender? Oh, look, certainly, but I'm sure uh, NZOC would probably argue, you know, it's all good and well, but, you know, everything comes down to money, isn't it? And and where do you draw the line? Uh, oh, look, I'd certainly love to see, um, I mean, can we call them battlers? Uh, you, know, you know, the old the old saying, like, why not? You, you know, that's almost for a for a lot of people, I mean, you know, we, we would all love to go to the Olympics and medal there, um, or even the Com Games. But I mean, you, you've got to you've got to imagine for for a lot of people, especially, you know, those sort of events like the track and field. Um, you know, this 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 could be you know the the biggest thing of their career. There's no shame yeah. in going to a Com Games and finishing a, a fifth or sixth, is there, Frankie? Oh heck yeah! I mean, we saw some of our our sixth place. Finishes. I mean, Sam Tanner. That's he was probably the most excited athlete of the whole games, and said he's he's the happiest sixth place we've ever seen. So I, I definitely think there's merit to it. Is there possibly merit with a split city format? Could we actually host the games in New Zealand again, Gordon? Do you think we could have a crack at it? Well, look, you know, as as someone that's uh, in in their early thirties, I mean, I uh, I've never seen one. Gash can probably talk to what it's actually like having one here, but. Seeing them overseas and seeing it on television, you always wonder, wow, like how, how cool would this actually be to have in our own backyard? I, for one, uh, especially, you know, growing up, it would be amazing, have, you know, because you see, you know, track and fields, you know, I'm not going to go down to Napunawai on a Saturday afternoon and, and watch some sprinting, but gosh, you bring these athletes to our, our backyard. And I think it's, um, it would certainly inspire a lot of people, I think. And, and I would say that's the thing you can't get uh, from a television set uh, is in, in terms of spying that next generation of athletes. You, you know, you would know, Frankie, seeing it from the Cricket World Cup, for example. Sure, there was only, you know, that one game um, here in Christchurch. We actually had a crowd, but uh, even, you know, you would, you would have seen it seeing kids on the street and that I, I imagine the, the reception you would have got uh, from that event. Yeah, massive. You agree, Gash? You'd love to see it come back? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and Birmingham um, essentially did it with, with existing um, facilities and so on. So if you do it in a multi-city format, and I think that's where the Com Games Association, where they're moving to, and even at these games, um, for example, the track cycling was down in London. It wasn't up in Birmingham. So it makes it doable. It makes it affordable. And, look, we know how nuts, um, you know, setting up infrastructure for an Olympics is, and I think it's been the off-putting thing for a lot of um, uh, cities around the Commonwealth to, you know, with regards to hosting it, the, the, the potential expense. So, um, no, I, I, absolutely. And uh, I, I think it's just the sort of thing that we should aspire to. It, it's been, you know, a long, long time since we, we have hosted them. Um, and uh, I, look, we're well overdue, especially as, a, as a, um, a, an aspirational nation and B, uh, as a country that performs very, very well at Commonwealth Games level.
yeah, it was a fantastic couple of weeks. Those those 49 medals, oh, I got so invested in it. And I absolutely agree with you both. I would love to see it here. I'd love to see the the multi-city format so we can try and make use of, of all the stadiums and facilities that we've already got and try and minimise that cost to it. But, look, thanks thanks to you both for your time and thoughts this morning. It's been awesome to hear from you. Hopefully the All Blacks can, can find a way to to get through, get that win. But thank you so much and look forward to catching up again soon. Have a great day. Cheers, Frankie. That was Brian Ashby and Gordon Finlater on the panel, brought to you by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Well, that's another morning done on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. I hope you've enjoyed hearing the Canterbury Sports Chatter as much as I've enjoyed telling you all about it. Enjoy a sport-filled weekend. Have a great week, and I'll see you back same time, same place next week. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.